love our Lord and welcome to Thy Strong Word. I'm your host, Brady Finner, and pastor of Messiah Lutheran Church in Sartell, Minnesota. And we gather this next hour around the gift of the inspired and true Word of God and the Word made flesh, our Lord Jesus Christ, who at this time of year, who has risen from the dead, and as the angel said to the women at the tomb, why do you seek the living among the dead? He is not here, but has risen. As we say over and over again this season, Alleluia, Christ is risen. He has risen indeed. And it is our resurrected Savior who shines on us today from 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. Paul points us to the end, which is what he says are to be encouraging words where our Lord Jesus will come with the cry of a command, with the voice of an angel and the sound of a trumpet. May we be encouraged by these words. I am very excited to study these words. And uh, thank you for tuning us in with uh, on Worldwide KFUO, Christ for you anytime, anywhere. Sorry, get my words together this morning. A special thanks to our friends at Lutheran Heritage Foundation for supporting Thy Strong Word. Visit lhfmissions.org for more information, lhfmissions.org. To help us to be strengthened by God's Word this morning, we have with us Pastor David Boisclair, Pastor of Faith in Bethesda Lutheran Churches in Pine Lawn, Missouri. Pastor Boisclair, welcome back to Thy Strong Word. Boy, it's wonderful to be here on Easter Tuesday. Absolutely. A blessed Easter to you, my friend. Tell me, what was your favorite, what is your favorite part of the Easter season? Um, Well, I guess it would be, uh, I I really like the appearance of Christ to the two disciples going to Emmaus. So, uh, you know, if ever ever that gospel uh, is is for any particular Sunday, it's always a joy. And then, then but, but I mean, Easter day, and then maybe Thomas Sunday, which is the Sunday coming up is, is always a joy. Ah, that's amazing. That's amazing. Cause I always think about that text. It's like the heartburn text, right? Where they, you know, Jesus leaves and he said, did not our hearts burn within us as he spoke, revealed the word of God to us. Isn't that right? That's what you're talking about that. Correct. Right, exactly. And, and you know, you'd think, well, wouldn't they be disappointed that he didn't stay with them? You know, it, it, it's, it's like uh, we, we really can't get enough of Jesus. I don't. Uh, and, and uh, you know, it's, it's, but, they, but they were filled with joy. And then they, 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 here they took the whole afternoon to walk to Emmaus, and, and they just run back to Jerusalem. And then and they, uh, the news is coming up. You know, it's like uh, breaking news. It's like he, he, uh, he's not found in the grave. He's, you know, he appeared to Peter. He appeared to the women. You know, they don't mention that he appeared to Mary Magdalene. Uh, but, you know, Mark's gospel says that he first appeared to her. And then he appeared to the women. And then he appeared to James, his, uh, his you know, his cousin or his brother. And then the pastor of the church in Jerusalem, ultimately. And then... Uh, to 500 brethren uh, and and so on. So it's just, it's just a time of great joy. It's just a a, a, a joy. I wanted to use the word rapture. (laughs) And it's it's kind of uh, proleptic for the, for our study today. Absolutely. No, and this is a reminder for me is uh, I'm, I love Easter. Easter is my favorite time of year. Uh, uh, I, obviously, I like Lent, but when I get to Easter, there's a few things that go on. In Minnesota, it means the snow is usually either gone or about to be gone. So that's one of the joys. We have no snow up here right now. It's amazing. It was 70 wow. degrees yesterday. It is an amazing time of year. But So I like that part. But the second oh, part praise is... praise the Lord. 
Yeah, right. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Hallelujah, we'll say. And 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 from there is it's just the the stories, like you said, the the the, the stories that um, show truth. Truth in the sense of not oh, there was a spiritual resurrection and and I heard this story that Jesus rose, but no one ever saw it. No, five hundred. He showed up to five hundred people that, according to the scriptures, he died and rose. Um, that he revealed himself to all these different people, especially Thomas, like you said, where he actually had to touch him to know that he was alive. He ate the fish um, to show that he was truly not a spiritual thing. This is a physical thing. And that's why I love the Easter account, because it shows us that our Lord Jesus knows how we are, that we need to see it, to believe it. And he showed up to so many different people to prove that once again, our Lord has died, but he has absolutely arisen to show us truth. So that's why I love Easter. I love Easter. Um, yeah, it, it, it's in, it's incomparably uh, the uh, you know a blessed time of the year. As in my ministry, all all during my ministry, I think that that was that was what I always looked forward to. Although Christmas, of course, is a joyful time, but uh, Easter Easter obviously is uh, the the greatest and most holiest uh, feast of the church. As you said, we can't get enough of Jesus. I'm gonna, I'm gonna say that every time that you come on the program, Pastor Boyce Clay, you just said that we can't get enough of Jesus. Absolutely um, not. <laughs> <laughs> so here's what I want to do, and this is really gonna be fun. I haven't warned um, people at KFO I'm doing this, but I want to hear from you, our listeners, your favorite Easter hymn. I'm excited about this because today I have an LWML Bible study, and we're just going to sing the hymns we weren't able to sing on Easter morning. We're going to sing, read the account, sing, pray for the missions I say support, and I just love singing it. I love doing it a cappella. I love doing it by myself even. I love singing it to my kids when they go to bed. Um, I love all of that stuff. So I want to hear from you your favorite Easter hymn. Uh, so you can send us an email, kfuo at kfuo.com. KFUO at KFUO.org about your favorite hymn. Even if you're listening on demand, um, I want to hear from you. This whole week, I'm going to ask this question. And pa- start, well, Pastor Boyce Claire, what's your favorite Easter hymn? Uh, obviously, um, uh, Jesus Christ, my sure defense, but into the Easter season is Jesus lives the victories won. Ah, um, yes. That's 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 uh, probably one of the most powerful uh uh, Christian hymns for Easter. That's what, you know, I mean, that would be the one I'd want played at my, um, at my funeral. <laughs> yes. Yes. That is a common Jesus thing. Jesus lives the yeah. victories won, you know, uh, faith shall cry as fails each sense. Jesus is my confidence. I think that's, mm. uh, Jesus Christ, my sure defense. I think the uh, ending of that one. Um, and, and you, we have so many wonderful Easter hymns, uh, uh, you know, awake my heart with gladness. And, and, of course, the old standard that I loved as a child, Jesus Christ is risen today. Amen. You know, just, just wonderful, wonderful treasure trove of, of uh, hymnody of the people of God singing their praises to their risen Lord. And that's and it reminds us, it points us right to our text, that we are able to have hope that we do not grieve as others who have no hope right there, as you said so well, Pastor. And this is a good segue. As we look at today's text, it shows us that when you go to a funeral, it's not a victory dance per se, because we're grieving. But we are grieving differently than the world because we know there's always hope that our Lord has risen. And therefore, we have something to look forward to when our Lord returns. So, Pastor, let's let's get right to that. We only have about six verses that we're going to be studying this morning. But can you begin our time um, lifting up and ask the Lord's blessings in prayer? Absolutely. 
Let us pray. Lord God, Heavenly Father, we praise you for waking from the dead our dear Lord Jesus Christ, that great shepherd of the sheep. Comfort us with the words of your holy apostle that lays out for us what we have in store for us on the last day, when our risen Lord comes again in glory. Grant that we might cut through the false understandings of these words to gain a clear view of your will for us, that we will be with him in the air when he comes again in glory. In his name we pray. Amen. Amen. Reminder to our listeners as well, as we know, Pastor Boyce Clare does in, in, uh, very thorough studies of such subjects, and, and he loves the Word of God. So if you have any questions, send us an email, not only your hymns, but also your questions, kfuo at kfuo.org. Now, I wanted to do this, Pastor Boyce Clare. We only have six verses, but there's a lot going on in these six verses this morning. And so I wanted to start just by reading verses 13 through 18, read us straight through, and then you can lead us with some introductory thoughts that you have. So great. let's dig, in, dig into the word. Reminder to our listeners, we're reading from the English Standard Version. And Paul writes to the, the Thessalonians chapter 4, beginning in verse 13. But we do not want you to be uninformed, brothers, about those who are asleep, that you may not grieve as others others who do who have no hope. Excuse me. For since we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so, through Jesus, God will bring with him those who have fallen asleep. For this we declare to you by a word from the Lord, that we who are alive, who are left until the coming of the Lord, will not precede those who have fallen asleep. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a cry of command, with the voice of an archangel and with the sound of the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive, who are left, will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord, meet the Lord in the air, so that we always will be with the Lord. Therefore, encourage one another with these words. Pastor Boyce Claire, these words, um, there's a lot there, but there's also a lot of clarity um, that has a lot of issues that are involved in that. Now, I don't want to get caught in the weeds today because this, these are very clear words, but we have to address things that are presented in our culture. Paul addresses this in 1 Thessalonians, and he also speaks about it in 2 Thessalonians. So as you look at everything, and I know you've done your study and you've thought about this, where do you want to begin with some introductory thoughts to help us out this morning? Well, I think uh, we want to talk about uh, what the Christian hope is. Now, the word hope, of course, uh, refers to faith of things in the future. Uh, in other words, when you, it's not like a, a really weak word. You know, this is something we constantly have to emphasize to our people in teaching them that hope is not, well, I hope so. You know, it's like a, you know, a real, uh, you know, flimsy, flimsy uh, kind of a uh, just a sentiment, but it is rather a a something that we believe to be true in the future. That's what hope is. So our hope is that we will rise from the dead, that there will be a last day when the Lord Jesus will appear in glory and and will appear visibly to everyone all at once. And, and so that's the hope is, of course, the last day. Our 
belief on the end of the world is very simple. It is not this timetable which has like a uh, what they call a rapture and then a tribulation and then a millennium and all this is, which was popularized by Hal Lindsey with the late great planet Earth or this left behind series uh, of movies uh, that, you know, I mean, and, and, and they're kind of exciting and interesting to watch, but they're not biblical. It's not what we hope for. Uh, it, it, our belief in the end times is very simple. We look forward to the, the last day. That's when he is going to come again, and all eyes will see him, even those who pierced him will see him coming in glory. That's kind of the, the, the premise of this. And this, this particular uh, uh, piece of scripture is is speaking about what's going to happen on the last day it's not some time before and 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 that of course is the false belief that uh you know has been popularized with these left behind films and that you know that's very helpful to break it down because he's speaking very clear words and there are a lot of uh different ideologies that are out there uh some from very from some very sincere christian people and that's something that i've experienced sitting with uh, a a wonderful uh, christian person that as you sat down with them all of a sudden you heard that they were very influenced by the left behind series as you said hal Lindsay, and those um and those uh, theologies that are out there but our goal as Lutherans, and this is very clear from, from beginning to end of Scripture, our goal is to say what the text says, says, not try to add to it, not try and take away from it, but what does what is the clear words that our Lord says? And that's why I think today's text is so clear, and Paul's writing this not to bring up more questions, but he says to let them be informed and to encourage him with these words. So my encouragement to our listeners is that when we go through these words today, do your homework. There are different resources that I'm going to post on our podcast and on KFUO that you'll be able to see that speak to the issues that get uh, that arise uh, for the end times theology. For us, our goal is to say what God's word says, to leave the rest to the Lord, and obviously to keep our eyes fixed on Jesus. So I think it's time for us to dig into the text. What do you think, Pastor? Absolutely. All right, so we're going to break this down little by little uh, because each verse has a lot to it, and so we'll break it down in that way. Beginning in verse 13. But we do not want you to be uninformed, brothers, about those who are asleep, that you may not grieve as others do who have no hope. All right, so what is Paul's intention here when he writes this? Well, obviously, um, you know, it, it's interesting, Lenski, uh, R.C.H. Lenski, who wrote, uh, we, we uh, in 40 years ago, <laughs> pastors of the mm-hmm. Missouri Synod, our, our New Testament commentaries were just R.C.H. Lenski. And now sometimes he's good, but I think as some of my professors said, sometimes he's a little bit too uh, wordy. Uh, anyway, uh, he said that uh, when Paul and, and uh Silas and Timothy uh, founded this congregation. They they just gotten out of Philippi, uh, you know, where he was jailed mm-hmm. and everything. They they kind of drove him. Or they wanted him to leave, and so okay, he said fine, I'll leave. And so he goes to Thessalonica, 
and uh, there he there a congregation is 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 established. But then, of course, uh, his persecutors follow him, and then he's harried, and he goes um, to uh, you know the Bereans. The Bereans uh, at that time were the ones who uh, were the ones who searched the scriptures, and um, you know then then he went on to um, Athens, and then he went uh, and then he went to Corinth, and there there was a real big uh, base for missionary work. And and uh, so he spent a lot of time in Corinth, and probably what it was during his being in Corinth that he wrote this letter to the Thessalonians and sent it with through, with Timothy. And uh, mm-hmm. you know when when the, the church was first established, uh, in 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 they're saying about four, he may stay there for four months. That uh, that there was no deaths. Uh, but then probably there were deaths that may have occurred in between there. And, and, and the people, the church in Thessalonica, were wondering, well, what's going to happen to our loved ones who are Christians? We baptized them, uh, uh, and then all of a sudden they died. Are they going to miss out on, on uh, the yeah. Lord's coming? And so that's kind of the, the, that was the really big concern that they had. And then Timothy, of course, communicated that to the apostle, and the apostle said, okay, here we have uh, the truth of God's word. That you know, that's a very good perspective of the reality of Paul, the the personhood of Paul, the the, the reality of a church with Paul. So so kind of let me present this scenario. So Timothy's and he goes to um, to the Thessalonians, and when he's there, they they're they're excited. They're like, hey, this is great, great stuff. Jesus died for me. He rose from the dead. He's coming back. You know, he ascended to heaven. They're going through the same um, kind of stories that we have received generations later, and they they're going through all that. All of a sudden, this the foundation and one of their members dies, or one of the family members dies, and you're like, wait, I thought Jesus was coming soon. I, I've read all of this, and he's coming soon, and now they've died. How does this work? They're dead what's up with them and then what's up with us and how does this all fit? So Paul's really trying to address that scenario of them just asking, well, how does this all fit together? Is that what I'm hearing you say? Yes. And, yeah. and uh, you know, it's really interesting that he's speaking about those who have died as those who are asleep. Right. Okay. Now, Jesus is the one that uh, first brought that. Uh, it's sort of a metaphor that's brought in there about death. Death is like falling asleep, going to sleep. Uh, in uh, John chapter 11, he says to his disciples, uh, Our brother Lazarus has fallen asleep. I must go and wake him. And, and, they, and then the, the disciples are saying, well, if he's sleeping, he's, he's going to get better. Just, it, it, you, you know, there's no urgency here. And then so Jesus says, okay, he died. <laughs> you know, that's what I'm talking about. But, right. but uh, Jesus is the one, by his death and resurrection, that has brought life and immortality to light. He has abolished death. So for the Christian, uh, dying is just like falling asleep. And so when, and whenever you see this kind of... Um, uh, a form of teaching, it's basically telling it's a, our Christian hope, again, the pure, uh, firm belief in the future that we are not lost, uh, that we are uh, with Christ, uh, which is far better. Our bodies may be asleep, you might say. You could sort of put it like that. Our bodies are fall asleep and are laid to rest in the earth, but we are still alive after, after we die. 
And that's where um, you see this in the hymnody. You see this with uh, Jesus and the little girl that said, oh, she's not dead, but she is sleeping uh, language. We see this in, yeah. in, uh, in the patriarchs. David, he went to sleep with the fathers in First Kings chapter 2. Um, and I think that's a good way of speaking about it because – most of the time, we're not afraid to go to sleep. Like, I'm looking forward to going to sleep, you know. <laughs> I'm like, yeah. I'm ready to go to bed. You know, this is an exciting time to be able to rest after a long day. And so God uses that analogy to remind us there's things we don't know, you know, how that all looks on this other side of eternity. But we know that he's comparing it to sleep, that we may look at a grave as we would our own bed, as, as, the, uh, as the hymn tells us. And so this is a good reminder for us about sleep means that uh, points it to death and remind us of that. Because later on, he says, those who are dead in Christ, and I think he's speaking about the same thing, dead in Christ and those asleep are the same situation. Any thoughts on that? Uh, right. And and um, uh, so but it is those in Christ. So, see, he is making a distinction here because he's saying that you do not grieve as others do who have no hope. Now, um, maybe for those who are unbelievers, it isn't a very pleasant uh, scenario. Um, although it, it, you know, may, they may have heard the word, and the Holy Spirit uh, creates faith where and when He will. But uh, you know, here, here they're speaking; they're concerned about Christians who have died, and so uh, then that's the distinction that's being made here. And um, so. Um, you know, in in a sense, you know, like sometimes also when you when you try to counsel uh, a couple whose uh, their 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 baby has has died, uh, if the baby has been baptized, you know, you have a real confident way of comforting them. Well, uh, you know, the the baby has has been reborn through holy baptism. Uh, now, if what what happens if uh, the baby dies before? Uh, it, he, it is baptized, you know, then, then, then of course, uh, you know, you have the confidence of the fact that it's the child of a believer, a believing couple, um, you know, that, that maybe, you know, again, the word of God, you know, God limits us to his means of grace and praise God that he does, but he doesn't limit himself. And as Luther says, you know, there's some hope um, in, in those circumstances. And this is, I like how you make that distinction as well, is that when we're talking about sleep in a positive sense when someone dies, that assumes that there's faith. Um, and because if, if there's no faith, you are not going to go to that rest with joy. You might go to that rest with complete fear of the unknown, fear of all these things, which shows us the need for all of us to always care and to bring the word of God to people. But here he's speaking to the Christian church, speaking about Christian people who have, uh, who have died in Christ, as he says so well. He moves on from there and talks about grief. I've always enjoyed this. I use this often for funeral texts, um, use it for people who have lost a loved one, a Christian loved one, um, because he does not deny grief. And we have a tendency to do this, like, oh, don't, don't just move on. You'll be fine. Uh, everything will be fine. He doesn't deny grief, but he talks about there's always hope in our grief as Christian people. Any thoughts on that? Well, yes, I think uh, one thing I dislike is where people always say that they're selfish uh, when, you know, okay, maybe uh, the thing is, when you are parted from somebody you love, shouldn't it be a sad event in your life? I mean, Mm -hmm. so you're parted from somebody you, you, you treasure and you enjoy being with and everything else. Yeah, maybe you could say that that's selfish. It's selfish only because... 
they went to heaven. They're with Christ. So perhaps, mm-hmm. you know, well, like St. Paul, you know, in, in Philippians 1, this is this is kind of a neat thing. He says, I, I'm sort of caught between two, two things, uh, you know, whether to remain with you so I can, uh, you know, build you up in your faith or whether I can be with the Lord, which is far better. Uh, so, so again, you know, there, there's an understandable uh, sadness that's involved of being parted from someone we love. But when someone, and as you so powerfully mentioned, it is the faith, you know, mm-hmm. dying in the faith, uh, faith that God has created in their hearts, it, 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 isn't, a, it isn't a tragedy, you know, it, it, it is, it, it, you know, you're just simply parted for them for a short while. I just, that's why I love when Jesus gives the saying, you know, a little while and you will not see me. And then again, a little while and you shall see me. So in the same way with our, with our beloved Christian um, brothers and sisters, we say a little while and we will not see you. And then again, a little while and we shall see you. Yeah. And, and that is a, uh, that, that is, that's great because you think about, there, there's so many words that we'll throw around when it comes to funerals and to um, uh, when you lose a loved one, sometimes acting as if we should not be grieving or that there's selfishness involved. Like, I'm selfish. I want them to be here. And I think we just haven't grieved well in our culture as Christian people. We kind of made it sound like if you do grieve, that's bad or or uh, we, we don't accept the grief or we haven't learned how to continue to move forward in grief. Because I, I have to admit this, there's loved ones I've had in my life who have, have passed away and I still grieve it. And for a long time, I felt really bad about still grieving. And now I still do. I mean, no doubt about it. But it's something that we continually accept grief as Christian people. Um, that's why you have Jesus on the cross and the, and the resurrection is because there is going to be grief. But as he tells us so well, don't be uninformed. There is always hope. Hope not in a, I hope so, like you said so well, but a hope that th- th- this is the truth. Jesus is coming again and everything will be made new. We have about a minute left before our break. And I think, Pastor, what I'll do is read verses 14 and 15, and then we'll go to our break. Because, well, we have a lot to get through here, and so we need to keep moving forward. For since we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so, through Jesus, God will bring with him those who have fallen asleep. For this we declare to you by a word from the Lord, that we who are alive, who are left until the coming of the Lord, will not precede those who have fallen asleep. So I think... I think we should take our break. I'm going to take our break right now. We are studying 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 with David Boisclair, and we will be right back. Christian Friends of New Americans invite you to an entertainment and trivia night. Friday, April 9th and Saturday, April 17th, your team members can be anywhere in the world via Zoom. It's a virtual trivia night. Also, visit the online silent auction between April 9th and 17th to bid on some really nice items. For information, you can go to cfna-stl.org. Again, visit their webpage at cfna-stl.org. 
This week on Issues Etc., we'll study the Easter hymns, Jesus Lives, the Victories Won, with Dr. Arthur Just, and Christ the Lord is Risen Today, Alleluia, with Pastor Will Whedon. We'll talk with Chris Rosebro about bad Easter sermons, and we'll discuss what I wish my non-Lutheran family members knew about the church calendar with Pastor Brian Wolfmiller. Issues Etc., live weekday afternoons from 3 to 5 on KFUO. Touching the lives and the hearts of our listeners with the Word of Christ. Sharper Iron is such an incredible, amazing gift. I thank you so much for what it's doing for me and what I know it must be doing for a lot of other people. God bless. To leave a message on the KFUO comment line, call 314-996-1542. Christ for you, anytime, anywhere. Worldwide KFUO. We are studying 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 with Pastor David Boisclair. And as we look at these words, I can't help but think about Lord of all hopefulness, which is the great hymn where it tells us, you know, Paul tells us today, do not grieve as those who do not have hope. It says, Lord of all, hope, of all hopefulness, Lord of all joy, whose trust ever childlike no cares could destroy. Be there at our waking and give us, we pray, your bliss in our hearts, Lord, at the break of the day. So that's one of my favorite hymns. I want it, as Pastor Boyce Claire pointed us so well, to hope. Hope is not something that we don't know about. Hope is what we do know about, which is our Lord Jesus. And now when we get to verses 14 and 15, he takes us a step back. It's almost like he's taking a step back and writing the catechism once again. And he gets back to the simplicity of what we believe. Jesus died and he rose and he will bring those who have fallen asleep. So what is what are the basics he's teaching us here, Pastor? Well, and, and it's like in the creed uh, that that's, uh, you know, one of the things that um, uh, Rudolf Bultmann said, if, if anything uh, was good about from him, was that you can say for sure by reading the gospel, you know, the historical fact that Jesus died. Yes, that's true. <laughs> but mm-hmm. also yeah. he rose again. And, and and that's the, uh, you know, in this particular case, it's not the words that are used in the uh, in the Gospels, uh, he has been raised, which is which, of course, is true as well. But he arose, you know, and even as Jesus said in uh, John chapter 10, uh, nobody takes my life from me. I have the authority to lay it or power to lay it down and I have the power to take it up again. So he uh, dies and, and that he decided to do because he didn't have to. You know, our mm-hmm. Lord Jesus was perfect and, and, and sinless. Uh, you know, he did not have to be subject to death. He, he humbled himself and he said, okay, I'm going, I've decided to die. That's why, he, uh, you know, shouted out with a loud shout when he died on the cross on Good Friday. You know, he, it, was a tri- it, it was his decision to do that. And it was a di- point of triumph. Uh, and then he arose again. He took his life back up again. Uh, the Father was involved in it. The Holy Spirit was and and also the son himself and then and so jesus died and arose again and so that's uh uh well he will bring with him those who have fallen asleep you know so, you know there might be a truth in the belief that that refers to the um uh souls that are with him mm-hmm. you know in other words in the in- intermediate state you know what happens mm-hmm. to the soul when when it leaves the body it is with christ 
And so perhaps uh, it's saying here that he's bringing uh, those who have, he's bringing your loved ones with him, their souls. And then they, of Mm -hmm. course, are uh, reunited with their bodies in the resurrection. Um, And then, uh, then basically what he's saying is that there are, it's going to be a circumstance that there are people that are still alive on the last day. Uh, this is a promise from the Lord Jesus, who said, uh, "The gates of hell shall not, uh, the gates of Hades, mm-hmm. will not prevail against His church." So there will be those who are hit, true believers that are alive at the on the day on the last day, and 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 what, that's the point he's saying here. Guess what? Uh, the the people that have gone before, those who have Christians who have died before, are going to be. Uh, you know, come first and be with the Lord. And, and, and then the people that are uh, still remaining in life on the last day, they're coming after that. Mm-hmm. And that's, he answers those questions that we, we kind of assume are being asked in this uh, Thessalonian church. Is it, okay, what happens to those who have already died? Oh, well, they're going to be gathered. They're, they're asleep in Christ. They're with Christ. And they're going to be brought, connect with their bodies, reunite with their bodies, and brought with him. But it does not mean other people are going to be left. You're going to be left there and not knowing what's going to happen. No, you're going to come next. It isn't like, it doesn't say anything like, okay, that's going to happen, and then like seven years later, this is going to happen, or this long after that. It's going to be, this is going to happen, and then this is going to happen. And that's as simple as it gets. It's very clear cut as he writes these words. So any, any thoughts on the, on the, when he says, who are left? Obviously, this is language that can be mixed up with the Left Behind series. Any thoughts on that distinction? I think I, that's exactly what I thought when I saw that. Mm-hmm. Uh, that, that means that they are left in life. On on mm. the day uh, on the last day, that's what it means. They haven't. Maybe maybe it's kind of like they have not uh, fallen asleep yet. You know, they're mm-hmm. left behind. They haven't fallen, so they're kind of left behind. Uh, so he's kind of trying saying, you know, you might think that that you have some kind of advantage if you're still alive on the last day. You know, and and I, I have a hidden desire. I'd like to be alive. <laughs> On the mm-hmm. last day, it's going to be, it's going to be, they came out with a movie like that called La, uh, The End or something. Mm-hmm. Some, it was very humorous, but, uh, uh, you know, we're, we're thinking about our Lord coming again. And, and Jesus says, when, when you see all these things taking place, look up because your redemption is drawing near. And, but, but it's, we're left behind because we have not fallen asleep in the Lord before the last day. That's the idea. And this is, uh, it, it brings to fruition the promise of the two men who came to the disciples after the ascension. I mean, that's, that's also another one of my favorite parts of Holy Scripture is you have Jesus physically showing himself to, to everybody, and then he ascends, and it just, it's so much like how we would be, right? Jesus is there, he goes up into the clouds, and how could you not help but just keep looking and going like, what in the world is going on? You know, and, yeah. then, and then and then the angels come and say, you know, go to Jerusalem. He will come in the same way as you saw him go into heaven. He will come back in the same way, and reminding us that you know one fulfillment of what Scripture tells us, 
And then, and then secondly, he's coming back. So let's quote, get to work. Let's do what he's called us to do. Let's get to work. Um, and there's a lot of questions about what the details will be. Matthew 24 kind of points us to, as you said, it'd be great to be here when Jesus returns, but there's some things I'm not sure if I really want to see the sun being darkened, the moon, not give its light, um, stars fall from heaven, all that. It's really hard to understand. But I think you said it well, is what's going to what's going on is that we will be with the Lord and a new heaven and a new earth. So thoughts on how we put all that together as Christians in today's world. Well, the um, then, um, uh, like I say, that basically we're 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 ready. We know that, you know, and then you you have these um, uh, other passages of Scripture where, uh, uh, you know, it says one will be taken and another left. Uh, you know, which may be kind of like what those who are still alive will experience. Now, as you know, there's these uh, silly bumper stickers says, uh, if if the rapture occurs, then the driver of this car will be will disappear. You know, so uh, you know you you have the the scenario of the of the Left Behind series that all of a sudden one fine day all these people will disappear, and and uh, like people flying planes and people driving cars and. And, and then you'll have just a real big mess like that, right. uh, which because they and then they, they kind of say that this is going to be an event that's going to ha- that the world is going to go on after that. Uh, no, I'm sorry. The world is not going to go on after that when one is taken and another left or whatever. Uh, you know, this is this is going to be the procedure that the Lord follows on the day of judgment on the last day. And um, and that's that's basically what's going on. Now, a term that gets often used through this is the term rapture. Now, as as Christians, we don't deny the word rapture, but we think of it differently. How would you Correct. how would you make that distinction, Pastor? Well, in in this particular case, is it it, it comes in this particular uh, text? Uh, well, uh, where it says, um, uh, yeah, it has it will be. What doesn't it say? He will be. We will be. We will be caught up. That's back. That's mm-hmm. th- further in verse seventeen. Right. Then we who are alive, who are left, will be caught up. the The word there in Latin is rapiemore or something like that. That's where the word rapture comes from. So it is like being taken to the judgment seat of Christ. Uh, you know, those that that's kind of like what's going to happen to uh, the uh, well, I mean, you, you maybe kind of think of it, too, with the resurrection. Jesus says that the resurrection will be both those who are in Christ and those who are not in Christ or the uh, the uh, in other words, the believers and the unbelievers will be both raised at the same time. Uh, and then, of course, the believing dead who have been raised will be snatched and taken to be at Christ's right hand. You know, uh, uh, Matthew 25 also kind of has a nice scenario where they will be divided. Uh, The Lord will divide, uh, you know, you will have the people who are still alive, and then you'll have the people who are raised from the dead, and then there will be a dividing uh, uh, between the sheep and the goats. And so, and then those who are the believers will be at his right hand, and those who are the unbelievers at his left hand. And so, so that rapture or that idea is being, in, in other words, you're being divided into uh, those on his right hand and those on his left. And so, this is uh, an important distinction: a rapture that you'll see in the movies of Left Behind, 
or in a, uh, in a theology called premillennialism, is the rapture will happen. Uh, this is what they would argue, is that people who are believers will be here, and all of a sudden they're going to be gone. And they've been raptured up to heaven. Um, and, and so you have the clothes left, you'll have pilots gone, all those kind of things, like you said. We would say, yes, we believe in a rapture, but the rapture will be one day and everybody, you know, there'll be the separation of the sheep and the goats and there will be the trumpet and that'll all be one day of the new heaven and earth that will come. That's not going to be a separate rapture. There's one rapture and that rapture is that one and final day. Is that how we make that distinction? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and and see, yeah. the thing, you, you have, always have to ask yourself the question, what is the thing that is, that is disliked here that they want to avoid? It's the tribulation. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, and, and again, it's because they base their um, teaching about the last times on the book of Revelation, and then they misinterpret the book of Revelation. They don't, they, because that's, that's all, um, you know, par- parabolic, uh, symbolic, um, uh, scenarios that are mentioned, you know, prophetic signs, uh, you know, like basically it's, it's Revelation chapter 20. There's, they, it speaks about a first resurrection and it speaks about a second resurrection. Uh, we, we, you can understand from the study of Revelation that when it speaks about a first resurrection, a resurrection, it isn't a bodily res- resurrection. It is a, uh, you know, conversion to life uh, to, that you are reborn by the power of God's Holy Spirit through holy baptism and through the means of grace. That's the first resurrection. The second resurrection, of course, is the, uh, is the final uh, resurrection on the last day, uh, and, and that, that's mentioned there. You know, so you, you have to come to Revelation not with, you know, looking at it as, it's, as a presentation of facts of what's happening. You have to listen to what Lord, the Lord Jesus says. You know, he's, he teaches about the last day as well in his um, uh, discourses, like in uh, um, Matthew 24 or in, um, uh, you know, uh, Mark 13, uh, the, and, those, and those passages. And I would encourage our listeners to read those passages. Go to Matthew 24, uh, go to Mark 13 to receive uh, kind of the, the wider picture of what we're speaking of. At the same time, whenever you read our confessional statements, when it comes to the end, uh, when it comes to that day, it doesn't speak with more confusion. It speaks with very much so clarity. Our Augsburg Confession says, our churches teach, Article um, um, 17, our churches teach that at the end of the world, Christ will appear for judgment and will raise all the dead. And he references 1 Thessalonians, I mean, the, the, uh, Melanchthon references 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. And, and when we look at all of these things, our goal is to keep our eyes fixed on Jesus. And one of the issues that you have with other ideologies, such as premillennialism, um, is that you are keeping your eyes. Uh, it's, it's hard to keep your eyes on Jesus as opposed to looking at the local paper. You know, when is this sun being darkened? When is the moon not given its light? When will the stars fall from the heaven? When will the Middle East do this or that? Um, and, and there it becomes very difficult to keep your eyes centered on Jesus because your eyes are centered on the news and what's happening around, around the world trying to predict when Jesus will return. Um, and, and, and that's why something I really want to make sure that we're on the same page is also to be very patient. 
I, I have some very loving people that I care for dearly who are premillennialists. And I, this is not at all meant to be downgrading anybody for their their faith, uh, where they're at with the Lord, um, that their belief in Jesus as the Savior. But I do think that scripturally we would stand on saying we would uh, subscribe to a what's called an amillennial view that we know that there is tribulation to come. We know that Jesus is coming. We don't know all the details. What we know is there will be that day when the trumpet will sound and our Lord will return and all who are in Christ will rise and be with him. Uh, other pastoral thoughts we have on that, Pastor, as we continue? I think that's a very helpful thing to say. Uh, you know, it's it's just that we, we have to be faithful to what we have seen and heard or, you know, in, in the Word of God. Uh, and it isn't a situation where we're, we're saying that these folks are not Christians. I think, I think a, a lot of, you know, I, I commend a lot of the folks that, you know, have that way of thinking because they're very committed Christians. Uh, they believe in the resurrection of Christ. They believe that they will rise again. They believe in uh, that uh, there are only two places to go. There's either heaven or hell. If you, if you trust in the Lord Jesus Christ, you will be saved. Uh, if you do not, you will be condemned. Uh, and and it, it's just that we, we feel that, uh, you know, compelled by the Word of God to be faithful in our confession of what we believe. And, that's, and, and we do it humbly, and we do it lovingly. Very helpful. So let's let's read the next two verses and bring up other thoughts that we have. Verses 16 and 17. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a cry of command, with the voice of an archangel, and with the sound of the trumpet of God. And the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive, who are left, will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, so that we will always be with the Lord. Uh, so let's let's stick with the uh, verse sixteen. Um, it's interesting that he says he will descend from heaven. You know, we always talk about descending into hell is what Jesus did, and I thought about that. That'd be interesting. He descend from heaven to here, and I don't think there's anything to that. I just found that interesting. I hadn't seen that language before. But how will Jesus return? What's going to happen? Uh, well, uh, and I think that uh, that Jesus says, like when when you were encouraging others to. Uh, look at the um, uh, Matthew 24, verse 27, says, mm-hmm. For as the lightning comes from the east and shines as far as the west, so will be the coming of the Son of Man. And then, and then in uh, verse uh, 30 through 31, Then will appear in heaven the sign of the Son of Man, and then all the tribes of the earth will mourn, and they will see the Son of Man coming on the clouds of heaven with power and great glory. And, and he will send out his angels with a loud trumpet call, and they will gather his elect from the four winds from one end of heaven to the other. So it's going to be, in other words, everybody's going to see it. It's not going to be a secret. You know, that one of the mistakes of the Left Behind series is that they interpret when Jesus says he will come as a thief in the night, that it'll be something that's secret and nobody will know about and that, you know, it'll just happen. And then, and then everything goes on from that point. Uh, the, the, the thief in the night should never be understood in a, a secret way. It is meaning that he will come in an unexpected way. And as you look at right. uh, 
First uh, Thessalonians 5, which is coming up probably in the next uh, study, you will see there is a, a, a beautiful interpretation of that thief of the, in the night idea. But it's going to be, it, you have to say that it's just simply that it is unexpected. It has nothing to do with it being secret or not known by anyone. And it's interesting to me to to hear those words from Matthew 24. For as lightning comes from the east and shines as far as the west, so will be the coming of the Son of Man. Is uh, um, a grave traditionally has always faced east, so that on that last day their body would raise in the way that Jesus would be coming. Right? Have you seen that tradition? I mean, it's different in each grave or the cemetery, but that's a tradition that I've always heard and seen it commonly done. Have you seen that? Oh, absolutely. And I think that's probably, I mean, that's the best explanation of that. Notice also that the church, when churches are built, they're built facing east. You know, that that has the idea behind it as well. I mean, it's just a, you know, again, it's just a tradition. But I think that's, I think that's an excellent um, application of that. You usually think of, well, we face east. Uh, you know, I remembered uh, when we uh, said the Pledge of Allegiance, we said always face the flag or face east or something, because that's where, um, you know, Philadelphia is or where, you know, the independence was declared. Uh, also, hmm. east hmm. is is where the sun rises, and it also is, is toward uh, the Holy Land, where, where the Lord rose from the dead. But I think, uh, you know, the scenario that you mentioned is probably uh, the one that's really at, at work when, when uh, you know, bodies are, are uh, buried or something that they're buried facing east. And they would, you know, the, the idea of them being buried with their, their face up was another, you know, thing that I was taught growing up, that they were facing up, facing the east, that's where Jesus is going to come, and then they can rise to look. Obviously, it's not required. This is not something you have to do, but it's just a reminder of those traditions that we have of appointing us to Christ once again. This is where he where he came from. This is where he's coming back, and that's who we are to have our eyes fixed on. So exactly, he speaks he speaks language here um, that there be voice of an archangel. This is Michael, not used very much in the scriptures, but here he has that voice of of an archangel. I should say, an archangel. Um, sound of the trumpet, all the dead will rise first, and those who are alive who are left will be caught up with them in the clouds. How would you describe that to somebody? Like, I don't get it. How does that work? You know, caught up in the clouds. What is he saying there? How would you describe that? Well, um, I guess maybe just looking at it from the standpoint that, that the Lord says that when he comes again, and it's interesting the word for coming again is the word parousia, which in Greek mm-hmm. means presence. Uh, you know, that, that sometimes it comes into play here, uh, and that he comes in the clouds of heaven. So uh, maybe, maybe that is to be brought to where he's, he is seated on, we shall all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, as Second Corinthians chapter 5 says. You know, so, so in mm-hmm. other words, we're taken to where the judge is seated, and, and uh, that will be in the air. But but I think also the other other people who are raised, uh, you know, the unbelievers as well, will be brought at the same time, uh, you know, before the Lord. So I mean, it's like well, obviously uh, he's coming from heaven. Um, you know, it has the you know the idea that he is going to be suspended in the air. So we will be too. 
<laughs> right, right. I, I, I don't know how else to how else I would how else I would say that. Uh, it, it, you know, it, it, they like the, it's there's sort of a, a meeting. You know, there's a word in the mm-hmm. Greek uh, our text that says it's you will meet the Lord. It will be a meeting in the air. So it'd be an, uh, be a floating in the air meeting. <laughs> <laughs> right, right, exactly, exactly. It's it's one of those un, unexplainable realities. However, it is it is quite powerful to think about is that we will be with the Lord and that we will always be with the Lord. And this points us to Revelation where it it speaks very strongly about how, you know, we'll be there and our eyes will will be looking to Jesus, the Lamb of God, and and we'll be singing, you know, singing his praises and we'll be wearing the white robes, we'll be waving the palm branches, all of these things. And that's why I think why when you said it so well that I I hope I'm alive when Jesus returns. I hope this happens during my time because all these gifts, all of this reality, all this perfection is waiting for us who are in Christ. Last thought before we get to the last verse. Uh, I, I think you couldn't have expressed it more beautifully, and <laughs> okay. and uh, it, it's just it, because it's like at Easter time. This is so appropriate to study this uh, passage during Easter. Yeah. Is we're yeah. we're just filled with joy, the mm-hmm. joy of knowing Christ and being with Him, and the promise of being with Him. You know, face to face is is such a is such a really uh, an astounding astounding hope it get, it really changes your life you know think about how people are if they don't have christ you know they they really live a sad life i think and they have mm-hmm. to make it count for as much as they possibly can and 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 that, because it's going to end soon that we like saints before us may see you face to face as as the hymn tells us to crown him with many crowns so these words as you said, especially in context of Matthew 24 and Mark 13, can sometimes really get us on a realm where we are just in despair. Like, what's going to happen? Uh, we can try to start predicting when the end's going to happen. We can try to try to figure out this or that. We can be quite terrified of that reality. But that's not Paul's intention here. And maybe my guess is that when he begins at the beginning in our verses and he says that, those who have no hope, meaning there is hope here, folks. And at the end, he uses these words to show them this is not, the reason for this is not despair. Verse 18, therefore encourage one another with these words. So he's clearly not writing these for despair. What is he writing as a pastor to these people? What is he saying? Well, he he, uh, really uses a word for uh, that we use for the Holy Spirit, that he is the comforter, uh, mm-hmm. paracl- uh, the paraclete. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, so it's like, uh, you know, when, whenever, whenever we are in fear, whenever, whenever we uh, are uncertain, that's always when we should go to the written word, uh, to the, uh, the word of God, which is inerrant and, and is, is there for us, because that, in there, the Holy Spirit is there to comfort us, um, and that to comfort one another is is like the Holy Spirit is is taking charge here and and showing us the written word. And we spoke about this in previous episodes or previous studies. Is this a reality that this text was probably going to be used in the life of worship? And I, I thought about that a lot on Sunday. Because on Sunday, we had, I w- we weren't full. I mean, there's still restrictions. There's still people who are afraid. But we had a lot more people than I was expecting on Sunday morning for Easter. 
And and this isn't a testament to anything other than people just wanted to worship on Easter morning. And 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 just to have the people there was an encouragement. And you can imagine the Thessalonians receiving this letter, reading it probably in their time of worship and time of prayer, and just to hear those words to encourage one another. And and tell us uh, tell us a little bit about the encouragement of God's people being together to say these words that Paul says. Well, that's that, that's why the uh, uh, the one who wrote uh, Hebrews tells us uh, that that we should not neglect the gathering of ourselves together because we're we are a body, we're one body, we're the body of Christ, and 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 all of the all of the members of the body are, are should be there and and uh, support one another, and and so that that's that's why the Lord says you should not neglect the gathering of yourselves together in in mm-hmm. Christ. And, and to worship and praise him and to, uh, you know, he says, wherever two or three are gathered together in my name, there am I in the midst of them. And oh, how wonderful uh, when, when uh, so many come uh, to hear his word. Pastor, we have about a minute left. How would you sum up this, these verses that we study today? I, 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 they're, they're precious, uh, comforting words that tell us that we can look forward to the future with uh, joy, uh, because because uh, the Lord is leaving us here, yes, but but we're not left here as orphans. He will come for us, and 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 I think that this this precious passage of Scripture is so encouraging, especially when we face death. Well, as it tells us that we will always be with the Lord. Pastor David Boyce Claire, pastor of Faith Faith and Bethesda Lutheran Church in Pine Lawn, Missouri, helping us today with First Thessalonians chapter four. Pastor, pastor Boyce Claire, happy Easter and thank you for being our guest. A blessed Easter, and it's been a, such a joy for me. Saints of our Lord, as it says at the end of our creed, I look for the resurrection of the dead and the life of the world to come. This is our hope, and we cling to these words that Christ has died, Christ has risen, and Christ is coming again. Our Lord Jesus is coming. Anticipate these wonderful words that our Lord is coming to make all things new. Thanks be to our Lord. Alleluia. Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. I'm your host, Brady Finner, and pastor of Messiah Lutheran Church in Sartell, Minnesota. Thank you for joining us, and the Lord keep you safe in the palm of his hand.